Passover, and most likely we're going to move next week to Pentecost. So uh, most likely, unless the Lord really uh, speaks into my heart, that's that's uh, what I'm believing. But just to to finalize, uh, or I, I don't think you can finalize uh, Passover, you can probably exhaust it maybe for months or even years, uh, pull out what it's saying. I know, I know in a simplistic measure, we, we look at Passover as receiving the Lord, and, and I believe that. But it, but it has a much uh, deeper, broader uh, understanding. And, and the same thing in Pentecost. As we get into Pentecost, I, I, uh, in the coming weeks, I, I grew up Pentecostal. I believe in speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. Uh, all that is real in, in me. And, but it's so much more than, than that in Pentecost. And unfortunately, that is what many believers uh, associate Pentecost with. And, uh, and we're going to, uh, Lord willing, really take a... Uh, uh, a more in-depth look at what it is in the coming weeks of the Feast of Pentecost and then the Feast of, uh, of Tabernacle. And, I, and I'm impressed to do this uh, first. I was going to uh, get into this later on, but in, in John 15, and then we're going to flip backwards to Exodus and, and so forth. But in John 15, I was reading this, uh, I believe it was last night, and, and it just hit me that all three feasts are represented here in John 15. And when I, when that hit me, I went, Oh my. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and I'll uh, share with you what I, what I mean by that. In, uh, once I get there in John 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father's the husband. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And he comes on down here in verse 8, and he says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Here's the harvest. Here's the, ta here's the Feast of Tabernacles. The bearing of fruit. And just to, to set that forth, as we, we look at understanding the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and, and this is probably in the coming weeks, we'll probably look at this in more depth, but associated with the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering was the fruit, was the harvest. And so Jesus says, unless you abide in, vi in the vine, you can't bear fruit. But if you abide in the, the vine, you're going to bear fruit. And this is how the Father's glorified. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear fruit. So we talk about glorifying God, and we want to glorify God. Well, Jesus defines glorifying God as, as bearing fruit. 
And, and to me, at least, this is the harvest, is the fruit, is the fruit on the tree, the fruit on the vine, is the harvest. And as we go on down through here, um, he says, let me find what I wanted to share with you out of here. In verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of, of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse or no cloak for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they've done this to fulfill the word written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And uh, here's to me, anyway, dealing with Passover is the, is the cloak for sin, the covering for sin, the, the blood of the lamb. And then he comes down here and he says, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. And to me, here's Pentecost is the revealing of the word. And, and just briefly, and like I said, uh, not to go too far along Pentecost tonight, but Pentecost, uh, Moses went up and received the word 50 days after the Passover. And, and that was the giving of the law in the old covenant. And that was also 50 days later was Pentecost. And it was the spirit of God came down upon the mountain or God came down in the cloud and declared the word. <laughs> and I believe the, the Pentecost of God is God coming in the spirit, God coming in, you could say, in the cloud and declaring in our hearts and minds the word of God who is Christ, that that really is Pentecost. And us receiving the revelation of him and beginning to see what God has done in him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Like I said, we will, we will get into this in the coming weeks, but just as a introduction here you go but back at Passover for for one more time uh, it's real important to understand the necessity of the blood and I a few weeks ago uh, dealt with the blood for some extent and that the lamb, was carried that this the the offering of blood was carried into all the feasts not just in passover but there was this continual offering of blood in fact in if you were a jew you, you know uh, or an israelite the offering of blood was just continually 
before you. So the offering of the blood never goes away. It's a perpetual offering, and it's a continual reality in the Lord Jesus Christ of what his blood signifies as the blood of the Lamb. And uh, I wrote a couple of notes. Uh, there's never an occasion where the blood or death of Christ has no effect. We must come to the place of the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here is where all things of God are applied to us in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. That's what I mean when I say Jesus Christ crucified or the cross. I deal with all three days. or I, I believe the scripture deals with all three days. And I... And I, there are many today who would pervert the gospel claiming the blood is not necessary. I, I, I hear this idea coming from the mouths of people. Uh, and, and I hear it in, in, in some of the grace movement. I don't want to say in the grace movement because there's some wonderful, wonderful teachers and preachers and ministers in that, that is declaring the grace of God. But there's also a perversion out here. And the perversion is that God didn't need to offer Jesus. You were already perfect. You just didn't know you were perfect. And God sent Jesus to show you how perfect you were. And, folks, that's just perversion. Uh, I mean, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's it's perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you study the word of God, the clarity of the word of God, of what God said through the prophets, what God said through the law, what God said through the Psalms and what God said in the person of his son just declares the necessity of the blood of the lamb. And the necessity of the blood of the lamb is, is in Egypt that the Israelites could not come out of Egypt without the blood. And that's the reality of you and I. We can't come out of the Adamic man that we were born in without the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no way out of the town. When you're born in Adam, there's no way out of Adam except through the blood of Christ. And, and that is so real in my heart. It's so real to me, and it's so necessary in the declaring of the gospel that we understand the blood of Christ and its application for sin. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because without the blood, there's no release from the guilt of sin. And that's in the simplicity of that. That's why God had the guilt offering, because we were guilty in our heart. You know, you, know, you can tell me how good I am all you want to. But that doesn't change the recesses of my heart, of my soul, because that's a one-on-one that's a -on -one condition with the Lord. 
And it's only in the comprehension of the Lord Jesus that I see my soul begin to change. I see my heart begin to change in the comprehension of the offering of his blood. And, and, I, and I've personally seen that, not that I've overcome everything or, or, or have just a perfect walk with God, but according to the scripture, I have overcome through the blood of the Lamb. So I can declare I've overcome everything because he overcame. Not because I had the great capability in myself. And this is this is the 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 realness of the gospel. And and I see this in the types and shadows of the old covenant, in that they had to lay their hands on the animal. They didn't just have to bring an animal, they had to lay their hands on the animal and confess their faults or their sins or their shortcomings, whatever you want to call it. They had sin. They had identified sin, which I believe was the very nature of man. It was in the very conscious of man that all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they had to lay their hand upon the sacrifice, confessing their condition. And that sacrifice was in type and shadow, taking away the condition of their heart. But Jesus didn't do it in type and shadow. And as we lay our hand upon him, as we know him, the reality of the redemption that's in him becomes real in our lives. And we begin to know that we're free from sin. Not that we never miss the mark, not that we never do anything wrong, but we begin to know that the penalty of sin was laid upon him and the cleansing of his blood flowing upon us will cleanse us from all sin. And that's a sureness from God. And, and it's basic Christianity. I mean, I mean, it's basic Christianity. And, it, and the blood never loses its power. It never, it never, it never ceases. I mean, I mean, when you come into to the depths of the revelation of the Lord, you find the Lamb in the throne, the resurrected Lamb. So there's something there about the slain Lamb in the administration of God's government. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And to comprehend that, I have to comprehend the Lamb. I have to eat the Lamb. There's a continual eating of the Lamb all the way through my Christian walk. And in the comprehension of that Lamb, I understand what his death really means to me. Not just he died for me, and he did. And that's basic understanding that needs to come that Jesus died for the sins of the world. That all mankind was in sin, and there was a necessity of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God to free them from sin and its penalty. 
hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And so we get back into Exodus, uh, a couple places in Exodus 12. We've read here practically every week for the last uh, uh, probably couple months. It says in verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And we dealt with the striking of the land last week. Now this day will be a memorial to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover. So the Passover is the lamb. Jesus is the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. Now, this event became a person. We're not observing a day on a calendar anymore. We're observing the person of Jesus Christ who offered himself to bring us out of bondage. That's what we observe. We observe the person. We keep the Passover. The Passover didn't go away. He fulfilled it. He became everything the Passover declared. What he said in his word, I haven't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. So he is my Passover lamb. See, this is another error Christians are making today, is they're now trying to take believers back to Judaism and drink the Passover and Eat the, the unleavened bread. And it's like, why would I do that? Jesus is my Passover. Hallelujah. And, and to me, and I, and I, and I kind of harp on uh, John 10, I, I love it. I am the door. Put the blood on the door. And Jesus said, I'm the door. And the blood's on that door. If any man enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So, so just like the Israelite entered into the door and was saved from the destroyer, Jesus says, I'm the door. If you enter into me, you shall be saved. And I see such a picture here of Israel, and I've shared this with you, so I, so I apologize if you hear it again, but I, you're going to. <laughs> that picture of a people entering into that door 
and eating that lamb and coming out in the light of the new day on their way to Canaan. <laughs> on their way into the promises of God, being led by the Spirit of God, coming out in a new day. And it's I see it all there in that house of Jesus. And then Jesus said, I'm the door. You know, and that door, there, there's so much to that door. The door there in Israel, the door of the tabernacle, the door, the veil of the temple, the, 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 the door that John sees in heaven, a door is open in heaven. Jesus is the door. You know, if we, if, we, if we allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and our minds, you know, people are looking for, for a door to open up in the sky. <laughs> Honey, he's the door that, that gives us access to the heavenly realm of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He's it. I, that's why he said, I'm the door. Just like he told Martha, I, the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So here, the picture of him is painted by the hand of God all the way through the Old Covenant. To me, God is the greatest artist there's ever been. He's the greatest poet that's ever been. We read his, of his artistic work as we read the Old Covenant Scripture, and we read it. You, you know, Brother Jimmy's so good at declaring some of the poetry of the Lord as you get in and, and you begin to read through Isaiah and the Psalms and you begin to see all the symbolism of the Lord, hallelujah, that's declaring the Lamb of God. And we are feeding on the Lamb. We are feasting on bread and wine. We're coming together and, and drinking his, his blood and eating his flesh as we break this bread of life to one another. Hallelujah. We're taking communion with the Lord right now. If you can receive that, that's what we're doing. We're communing with the living God, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So, so we, we, we see that all the guilt. I, I love that guilt offering that God there in Leviticus, you go through the first few chapters of the book of Leviticus, and you can read about the sin offering. You can read about the grain offering, the burnt offering. And I believe, I believe this, I may be wrong, but I believe if we studied Passover out, we'd find it is a burnt offering because they laid their hands on that sacrifice. And they, you know, partook of it. And then they burn it that nothing remained to the morning and 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 all their sins were laid upon the sacrifice and they entered into the death of the lamb and they come out in the life of the lamb. That's what that all represented. They were entering in through the death of the lamb, Jesus being born as a man, dying as a man, but being raised by the spirit. And so then we enter into the life of the lamb. We come into his death, the blood, and by the spirit we enter into his life. Hallelujah. And that's where we dwell. And so that, that's why there's a continual application of the blood. 
because we're continually, continually comprehending his death. We don't just say, well, he died on the cross and we've got it. No, his death has to be comprehended. And so we are continually feeding on him to comprehend the fullness of his death, that we can dwell in the greatness of his life. Because that's ultimately what he did. He said, I've come that you might have life. And the death released us from the death and hell that we were in. He released us from ourselves. Because oh, all, these, all these things that's in our mind, all these things that's in our heart, Jesus bore them in the body of his flesh. He took them upon him. He became a man. He that was form of God. And, and the Lord really dealt with me here uh, a few weeks ago, form of God. You know, I've, I've applied that for years to the, to the natural body, that he was, you, you know, he was the form of God, which is spirit, and he became form of man. And, it, and the Lord just quickened that in my heart, that man is a living soul. That man is more than just a natural body. He's a living soul. And Jesus, who was form of God, which is spirit, became a living soul in order to offer himself because as God, he couldn't offer himself. Because God couldn't die. So he had to lower himself and be made as a man to die the death of the cross to bear in his body, you and I, to bear it in his soul, in his heart. That's why he could really say, not my will, but thine be done. Because he, he you know, we read it in the scripture that, that he, was, he was like a man, you know, like a man tempted as every man and so forth, because he, he got the same passions and desires in him that you and I had, but without sin. And that's why we see the unleavened bread of the Lord in the, in the Feast of Passover, that he was sinless, spotless, never submitted to the nature of Adam, but brought that nature to death in himself took it to the cross, and I guess in my heart, I'm thinking he took it there in a battle, in a warfare, because that's what he had there on, uh, there in the garden where his sweat became his blood. He was in a warfare of the soul, and he put it to death, and he took it to the cross and crucified that you and I would not live unto our self, which is soul, but that our soul, you, the you and I, would live unto God who is spirit. And Jesus, who was God, returned back to what he was. He ascended back to glory. And in his ascension, he went back, having completed the work, into what he was, 
before the world was. And now through the eternal spirit of God, he comes to reveal himself in you and me. That we could actually participate with him. Man, that should make you want to jump up and down and shout. The God of glory lowered himself, became a man, and died. And that death became victorious over everything in the earth. That's why in the book of Corinthians it said, had they not known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory because they didn't know when they crucified him. That they were destroying them on themselves. Their own selves were being destroyed. Their own authority was being ended. Now that's that's true. The high priest would not have crucified because when Jesus died, the authority of that high priest was over. The authority of of all that Israel had represented it had come to its end, its fulfillment. Now we have such a high priest. We don't go back to the priesthood of Aaron. We have such a high priest. We have such a blood of the covenant that we're now part of. That is the very Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. That's what we have. So had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I believe that speaks directly to, you could say, the Romans and the Israelites who crucified him. I know know the Romans had him crucified But who crucified was the Jewish nation. And when he was crucified, all their authority in the earth, their lights went out. You could say the stars of heaven quit shining. Now you go back and you study your scripture and and you'll find... I believe with Joseph that he saw his father and mother and brothers as the sun, the moon, and the stars. And that covenant right there, you know, darkness come upon the earth when Jesus was crucified, speaking that this was over. The light that Israel had been in the natural was fulfilled because the light of the world had now come. And when he raised from the dead, there was no more light coming out of that old Jewish covenant. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Its authority and power in the earth was over. We now dwell in the authority and power of Jesus Christ. We now dwell in what his blood, what his death, what his burial what his resurrection and ascension declares. I guess I get disturbed in my heart even when I hear us called uh, Judea Christians. I say, no, we're, we're, we're simply Christians. 
And that includes Jews and Gentiles, according to the flesh. But I'm not in a Jewish Christian faith. I'm in the faith of Jesus Christ. Because all authority is given to him. The authority of salvation is not in that old covenant at all. This Passover lamb fulfilled that Passover. This offering fulfilled all offerings. Now I go back and study those things. I study them often. But I study them to see him. The purpose of seeing the peace offering is to see it fulfilled in Christ, is to understand the symbolism that is there, to see the picture of Christ. But I can only know true peace through him that is the Prince of Peace. Glory to God. Brother Dale spoke of this other night. You can only have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He fulfilled that offering. And we stand in the blood of his covenant. Now, just a couple more things and I'm going to stop. I, I, I quoted this earlier in Hebrews 9. It says that therefore even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. That's Hebrews 9.18. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. Now that blood, you, you know, I, like I said, Jesus is the Passover lamb. And when Jesus was getting ready to be offered in Matthew 26, he declared that this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. But here in Hebrews, if you study it out, I believe you'll actually find this occurred at Pentecost. What, what the uh, writer of Hebrews is referring to with Moses is that Moses took the blood and sprinkled the people and the, and the uh, uh, writings there at I believe maybe even before he went up into the mountain and received the Ten Commandments, I may have the order of that backwards, but he, he did that there. And see, see, all this ties together, all three feasts tie, tied together because they're all fulfilled in one person. They're not fulfilled anywhere else. They're only fulfilled in him. Anyway, we are joined to his blood. We are joined to his offering. And his offering made peace with us and God. His offering released us from condemnation. His offering crucified us to the world. His offering freed us from sin, freed us from guilt. Hallelujah. So as we eat up on what he did, and that's really what the gospel is, is the good news of him. These things become real in our lives. Freedom becomes real. 
Joy becomes real. Not just words we quote out of the scripture, but they become real in our soul. And we begin to know what it is to be free. We begin to know what it is not to be bound in our hearts and our minds. And, and you know, these scriptures become real. Whom the Son hath made free is free indeed. We're not guilty to sin anymore because of him. Not because of our goodness, but because of him. And this becomes so real. So I'm so thankful for the Passover lamb. I'm so thankful for the offering of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really am. And one last thing I, I, will, I will say on that tonight, Jesus said to them in the book of John, he said, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And man, dying in, in sins, any way you want to look at it, all the guilt and condemnation that's in the heart of man, I've known what that is. I've lived in guilt and condemnation. Unfortunately, as a Christian, for a long time as a Christian, I lived in guilt and condemnation. I'd, I'd received the Lord. I was born again. But I was walking around in guilt and condemnation because I had not, I guess I wasn't eating the lamb. I was eating a lot of things. But I hadn't comprehended what the lamb had done. And that was a big issue. Not comprehending what the lamb had done is a big issue. It's a big issue to me because I lived in guilt and condemnation because I didn't understand that he freed me from guilt. He freed me from condemnation. He freed me from my sin. And that his life is actually being ministered into me that I can live in what he is and not what I was. And that that's really the good news. As Brother Jim says, Almost every week, not I, but Christ. That is really good news when you hear that by the Spirit of God, that it's not I. It's not my ability to get this done. It's not my greatness. It's who he is. And that we are made partakers of him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That is really good news because I've seen my futility. I've seen trying to work it out for God. And I'm telling you, you don't have to. Jesus said that, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I'll give you rest to your soul. I'll bring peace to you. Now, he didn't say go to religion. Problem is with religion, you won't get rest to your soul. Not only will you not get re rest, you won't want any of those others to get rest either. It almost produces the same, I guess, the same product. You'll find stuff wrong with you and you'll want to say everything that's wrong with everybody else. But I want to know him that frees me from sin. That's who I want to know. I want to know him that frees me from guilt. I want to know him that frees me from condemnation. In fact, that's what we're doing. We're knowing him. Well, I'll stop here tonight. God bless you all. Love you all. And we'll just open this up. Brother, I'll start with Brother Dale.